This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Donna Chavis. Thank you so much, Sid, and thank you all for joining us today for Messianic Vision. My guest today was saved at the age of 15 and began ministry at 16 years old, serving as pastor under the Foundation Faith Church. He served there and planted 10 churches on university campuses UK-wide while he was studying in law school. He has authored several books and co-directs a channel called Prophetic Voice TV, which was formed with a mission to train everyday people, listen to this, everyday people to hear the voice of God Every day. Well, that sounds pretty exciting to me. He is known for his strong prophetic anointing, and his Office for Prophetic Ministry has been recognized worldwide by leaders within governments, including the United Nations. And I I like this. Listen to this. He often says, The day will come when governments of nations shall seek the prophets again. That's pretty exciting. Please welcome to Messianic Vision, Tomi Ariomi. Hi, Tomi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. I believe you are coming to us today all the way from Nigeria. I am, yes. We're actually out here planting a church, so it's exciting times. So thank you so much for having me on. Of course. Technology is fabulous, isn't it? <laughs> Wonderful. wonderful. I love it. You sound like you're in the next room to me. Well, I want to start seriously from the beginning with you, Tommy. Tell me about your childhood and when you came to know the Lord. Um, My mom uh, was a Pentecostal, uh, raised as a Pentecostal. My father was a Catholic. And um, in our culture, I'm um, Nigerian by birth. I'd like to say I was um, made in Nigeria, but manufactured in the United Kingdom. Uh, so my my parents raised us Catholic, according to our culture. The, the father's culture kind of prevails. And so the interesting thing was um, watching the dynamic play out between my mom's charismatic side versus my dad's kind of very... <laughs> monastic uh, Catholic side, but, you know, grew up as a choir boy in church, uh, became an acolyte, which is a candle boy, and um, religion was, is the best way I can describe it, was probably all I knew till I was around 15 years old when I first had a strong encounter with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, my My twin brother and I um, have both failed some quite serious exams that would determine whether or not we entered into higher education or what's called comprehensive learning, which is kind of a lower level kind of public education. So we both failed our exams um, and both failed very miserably. And in our culture, that's not a great thing. It's kind of shunned upon and looked down upon to not be academically brilliant. And my dad is a medical doctor. My mom is a dentist. All our families are doctors, lawyers, dentists, or engineers of some sort in a professional capacity. And so the pressure to be something um, that my our parents wanted was very high. Yes. Um, to the point that we were both very suicidal after our failure because we thought our dad was literally going to murder us for finding out how badly we <laughs> failed. And so I just remember praying a prayer in the back garden of my house, and the prayer um, changed my life forever. It was a prayer of desperation, and I just looked up to into the kind of dark UK skies, and I said, God, if you're real, show me who you are, or tomorrow I'm going to kill myself. Um, it was a very blunt prayer for a 15-year-old boy yes, to pray. Yes, yes. Um, I went to sleep that night not knowing what, would transpire next would change my whole trajectory. Um, what had happened was I had this dream, and in this dream I crawled through this really small hole in in a wall in what looked like my house that I lived in back then, my childhood home, 
And I came out the other side of this hole very excited because I was really overweight back then and I had asthma and rickets and claustrophobia and all manner of things. So I was glad to be out on the other side. And when I was out on the other side, I was no longer in my house. I was in a huge auditorium. As far as I could see, thousands of people. And I was on a stage. Um, the version of me on the stage had lost weight, was looking healthy, or wasn't looking gaunt, didn't have asthma, rickets, claustrophobia, any of those things. And I was doing what I then called shouting, but now I know it was preaching, <laughs> um, over these people. And, um, you know, because of my Catholic background, I had no grid for what I was doing on the stage. Everything we knew was very monastic and very um, kind of mixed with British pomp. You know, your, your worship, the most charismatic thing you could do in a Catholic church was sing a bit louder than everybody else. Yes. But here I am flailing my hands about and I'm talking to people and, you know, and as I'm talking, there's these rainbow clouds coming off of me and they're just touching the people and every time it touches them, they, they shout louder. And then I get transported to the stage and to me, it looked like a concert because as far as I knew back then, I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be famous. And so I thought maybe this is my music career that's getting ready to be launched. And I listened closer as I was on the stage and I could hear what they were chanting. It's not Tommy. It was Jesus. Um, and they kept chanting it louder and louder as I kept preaching it to them. And I got so angry in the dream. I said, that's not uh, Jesus on the stage. That's Tommy on the stage. And then this being of brilliant white light showed up in the side of this dream. And he said, my son, you asked me, and this is what I've called you to. Mm. And um, immediately I remember the prayer I prayed um, in the garden, but I wake up open my eyes, my brother opens his eyes, I look at him, he looks at me, and he says, I had a dream. I said, what was your dream? He said, I crawled through this hole in my house. Oh, no. And all of a sudden, I'm on the stage, and there's this glory lights, like rainbows, and, and there's these chants, and I listen, and they're chanting Jesus and not Toby, and I was getting really excited. My brother's name is Toby, I'm Tony, and we're identical twins. So he said, um, that's not... To Jesus on the stage, just Toby on the stage. And then this being a bright light showed up and said, my son, you asked me, that's what I called you to. And it turned out we had the exact same dream, the exact same time on the exact same night. Wow. And that we had prayed the exact same prayer a couple of hours before. And um, God really caught us at that point. So you knew at that point you were, you were called. You saw this scenario playing out before you, something that you hadn't even thought of, but yet you knew to call out to God the night before. You know, God, if you're real, show me what I'm supposed to do or show me who you are. And then you had this entire dream of where you were going to go. Was your life changed at that moment? Did you know, I am called? This is, this is God's plan for my life. The funny thing was, I knew that I was called um, to a higher purpose. And I knew that God was real. Um, and definitely the dream turned me around. It didn't, it didn't position me, um, but it certainly caught my attention. It changed my brother instantly. Um, but for me, Donald, it took a, a little while longer uh, for some reason, I still needed more convincing before I <laughs> surrendered because I kind of always thought of serving God. Again, my grid was the Catholic priest at my church um, who, for all intents and purposes, great man. His name's Father Brendan. I still, I still uh, think about him quite often. Um, but, you know, he chose to be celibate all his life. And my grid was if I give my life to God, I'm going to become a priest and I'm never going to be able to get married. And so I certainly ran in the opposite direction. I see. Oh, um, yes. So, yeah. Uh, but it was based again on my grid. And it wasn't until um, about a year later, um, my brother's 
life started to change. He's, his grades started to change. His attention started to change. His focus started to change. I could tell he had more joy than I had, you know. Um, so one day I asked the same lady who eventually led him to the Lord to come and preach to me, not because I wanted Jesus, I just wanted my grades to improve so my dad could buy me stuff that he's buying my brother. <laughs> okay. And so, and so, you know, here I am, this girl's preaching to me, and I'm too ashamed to be seen next to her because I didn't want this. I was quite popular in school, and I didn't want anyone to see me with the kind of the Bible Christian girl who everybody knew her for. Yes. And I never forget, you know, she grabbed me and she said, you know what? I can tell you're not listening to me. God's going to show you himself. And it wasn't a day or so later. I was in a car with my family. We're on our way back from Manchester, a long-distance trip, about three hours to our home. And um, we were all asleep, my, my dad, my mom, my brother, my sister. And my dad was driving. He, sorry, he wasn't asleep, thank God. He was driving. And um, <laughs> all, of, all of a sudden, <laughs> I closed my eyes to sleep, and I hear this voice that sounded just like my dad. And he said, Tommy, um, at this point, um, I was aware that my dad was calling me, but I didn't want to open my eyes because I thought that he was going to ask me about my exams or my studies. So I pretended to stay asleep. And then the voice came again, Tommy. And this time a white flash came over my eyes and I opened my eyes, I look around, I tried to get my bearings. I said, dad, what happened? My dad said, what? What do you mean what happened? I said, you just got hit by a speeding camera. Maybe a, you got a ticket. He said, no, I, I didn't. I said, yes, you did. I saw the flash. He said, what flash? I said, okay, uh, but you called me. He said, I didn't call you. Um, I was adamant that somebody called me. So I woke everybody up and I said, who called me? And everybody said they didn't call me. Um, then I heard the voice again. And it, again, it was in my audible ears. It wasn't uh, in, my, in my spirit. It was tangible, audible. My eardrums were shaking. He said, Tommy. I said, who's this? And he said, I'm Jesus. Um, today you were supposed to die, but I'm going to save your life. And I'm going to call you into the ministry. I sat there, I looked around, nobody's lips were moving. Nobody was, you know, um, voicing or doing anything. Um, so I listened and I said, okay, what do you want me to do? He said, tell everybody to put their seatbelts on. So I did. And then he said, at the top of your lungs, yell, watch out. So at the top of my lungs, I yelled, watch out. And the moment I yelled it, my dad, so startled by my shout, switched lanes from the outer lane to the middle lane. And the moment he left that lane, five cars crashed into each other in the lane we just left, including a police car. Wow. We missed it by a fraction of a second. And um, my brother, everybody looked at me and they said, how did, you, how did you know that was going to happen? And my only response was, God taught me. Yes. And so it was in the back seat of a car that I surrendered my heart to Christ. Wow, Tommy, that, that is amazing. And I know over the next several years, so many things transpired. You did go into the ministry. You were being developed uh, in ministry and the prophetic, and God was using you in so many ways. You even had so, so many supernatural encounters. I know that you've seen the dead raised. You've seen people healed and delivered. You've seen angels. But there's something that you teach that is so so much a passion of yours, and that is revelation. Why right. is revelation so important to the church, Tommy? I think I began to discover how important revelation is um, to everybody, not just me as a prophet or prophet, prophets by office, but now I realize that the prophetic and revelation is essential because, you know, the Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children. The us there is not a prophet. The us there is every single person 
who is born again believes in the Lord. And the Bible says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. And and so we, we realize that that God, the greatest gift God can give us as a token of friendship is his secrets. Hmm. And that the scripture says he reveals his secret to those that fear him. But I discovered the importance of this probably most during the lockdown when um, our prime minister and um, president of the United States and all of the leaders around the world shut down their countries. Yes. To make a statement that almost I, I reheard it as a question. They said, all non-essential services stay home. And the moment I saw that statement, I asked myself, or it was almost as if God asked me, um, what is your essence? Like, if he's saying non-essential services, then the question is, what is our essence? And remember, you know, the Bible says if salt loses its saltiness, what's the point of it? Yes. And so I realized that we can, like my mobile phone, we can do so many things. You know, we can, a mobile phone can, uh, play music, it can take pictures, it can play games, it can send messages. Um, but at its core, it's built for communication. Right. I think sometimes the church can become like that mobile phone. We can do all of these things. It can be a food bank, we can be a hospital, we can be a, you know, a, a care center uh, for, the, for the world and all of these things. But right at our core, God said, I'm going to build my church upon a rock of revelation and and the gates of hell can't prevail against that center place that is that is built upon not christ the revelation of christ mm-hmm. christ revealed the hope of glory christ in us so when you look at jesus uh when he comes to his disciples and he says who do people say that i am he's not looking for theology. He's not looking for um, information. He's looking for a revelation of himself. Yes. Because it's only that revelation that differentiates us. If, if I'm on the last bit of a ship, let's say I'm on the mast of a ship and the ship is about to go down and the only thing I have is my mobile phone. Um, I'm not I'm not on the mast of the ship wondering what my latest score on Angry Birds or Candy Crush is. No. I'm trying to see if that phone can do what it was created to do, which is reach a cell tower and call for help. Yes. And so part of what I believe this lockdown did for us as the church is it reset us to ask ourselves, what is our essence? And it's almost as if it's in our emergency, we discover our essence. We discover the very reason why we were put in the earth. You know, a school without textbooks is non-essential. A hospital without medicine is non-essential. A church without revelation soon becomes a museum. Mm. And it soon becomes a place that loses its essence because the essence of that place is a dispensary of divine truth. So, so Tommy, you have said, oh, my goodness, this was so good. You said, without revelation, the church becomes irrelevant. Well, the purpose of the body of Christ is to make known the mystery of Christ to principalities and powers. And the only way we can do that is not just Christ received, but Christ revealed. It's not enough to receive Christ. I go from receiving him to revealing him. Yes. It was was really amazing to me that um, people who walked with Jesus for three years at certain points in the Bible didn't recognize him. You know, he, he's on a road to Emmaus with people who walked with him for three years and they didn't know who he was. He is with this Samaritan woman who's been waiting for the Messiah for years. And all of a sudden, she has this moment where she perceives as a prophet, but she doesn't really know the true gift that's standing in front of her. Right. There are these 10 lepers, and it takes one stranger to recognize that when he said, go to the priest, 
he was the priest that he was telling them to go to. And so you, you look at Jesus and you realize that you can see Jesus and not see Jesus. He can be in front of you like he was to Mary at the tomb. And yet a woman who's been with him doesn't know him. So he asked this question, who do people say that I am? Um, not because he doesn't know who he is, but because he's trying to convert a mass group of people out of speculation and into witnessing. Because I studied law and part of my background in law, I had to be able to select witnesses. And witnesses are not the same thing as speculators. A speculator mm. can submit hearsay. And hearsay is when you heard somebody say something. Hearsay is actually inadmissible as testimony in a court. And that's why the opposing side will say objection and they say on what grounds, hearsay and speculation, because you can't actually say what you heard somebody say. Um, to be a witness, you have to have had first-hand view of Jesus Christ. And that only comes by being there. And so when Jesus was saying, who do people say that I am? Um, they said, some say you're this. Jesus' response is, well, you know, he, it might as well have been, that's hearsay and speculation. When Peter said it from the realm of revelation, Jesus was excited, not at what Peter said, but at where Peter got what Peter said from. Yes. And it was that source that it came straight from the Father that turned Peter from a speculative Christian into a witness. And yet you see a man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament Bible, never met the physical Jesus once, yet wrote more than all of those who walked with him. And that was by the witness of Revelation. Revelation is what sets us apart in the world, because when God tells us his secrets, it's for the sake of influence. And so that's why the Bible says it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out the matter. Yes. God elevates leaders in the land from the moment they carry revelation, because the one with the eyes of the future always has the greatest level of influence in any room. And Pharaoh realized this when Joseph carried not only the revelation, but the solution to a fiscal problem in Egypt. Um, Pharaoh recognized that his place had been displaced and he became a traditional figurehead, a tourist attraction. And he said, you'll be the leader apart from me. I'll mm -hmm. just be the... I'll be the traditional head of state, but you're the real head of state. And I think when you carry revelation, God gives you an influence that others in the room around you don't possess. Wow. Tommy, let me ask you this. The, the organization, the ministry that you have founded in 2007, Rig Nation, when you're talking about revelation and influence here, God has placed you in this place. Tell us about RIG Nation, what that stands for, and what that means. RIG stands for Restoring Issachar's Generation. And Issachar is the tribe in 1 Chronicles 12, 32, which I believe we all can be, who understood times and seasons and knew what Israel ought to do. That means it carried two things, revelation and relevance. They could understand prophetically what God was saying, and they had prophetic wisdom given to them to know what to do. And they became the heads of the tribes of Israel. That means every tribe in Israel had an Issacharite leading them um, in any strategic decision that they were going to make. And so I believe, I heard the Lord ask me to raise up Issachar everywhere. That means according to John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. And Acts 2, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. I mean, it's not everyone's called to the office of the prophet, but in the New Testament, God ends a monopoly on hearing his voice being held in the hands of an elite few. And now he is dispensing his, his spirit liberally upon the masses, upon all flesh. And so I, I decided to embark on this mission uh, to train people to be prophets and prophets to be people. And, uh, you know, because you can train anybody to be a prophet and anyone to hear the voice of God, but then how does that apply to, you know, Pharaoh's issue with his 
his financial budgets for yes. that year? How does that apply to Nebuchadnezzar? How does that apply to somebody in, in Hollywood? How does that apply on a, on a job, in your nine-to-five job? So Issachar Everywhere became our vision because I believe it's your gift that makes room for you and brings you before important people. And, but once you've operated in the prophetic and it's made room, it's the fact that you can provide solutions as well that keeps that door open. Yes, and, and the proper condition and proper position is extremely important. Absolutely. Rig according to the dictionary means to put in a condition and position for use. And I realized when I saw that, that so many people are in the right condition. Uh, but in the wrong position. And so many people are in the right position, but they're in the wrong condition. And so when the Bible says equip the saints for the work of ministry, and then you realize that the reason is that in order that Christ might fill all things, he doesn't just want to fill the church. Through everyone, he actually wants to fill all things. He wants to fill business, government, media, arts, entertainment with his glory and that we all get to be a part of that assignment, then all really equipping is, is it's finding out if you're in the right condition and then just putting you in the right position or finding out if you're in the right position, um, but developing your condition. Yes. And so that's kind of been our, our mission is to run schools that train people to operate in what the Bible, what Paul calls wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Yes, and this this phrase that you use, whew, this was exciting to me, prophetic silos. How does that relate to what you are doing? Well, I was on my way to Leeds one day to do one of our prophetic gatherings, and I heard the Lord speak to me about prophetic silos. And I was just sitting there, and he said, what if I wanted prophets to be siloed into different groups. I said, well, okay, that's great. He said, well, what if I didn't just want prophets in the church? I said, okay, that's great. And he said, well, tell me, what if I wanted prophets that could help find missing children? Which you, would you be a part of? I said, wow. amazing. Wow. That, that gave me a shiver when you said that, Tommy. Me too. And I said, amazing to me that, that God would speak to me. And then the Lord kept breathing this name to me over and over and over again. I can't remember the, the name off the top of my head now, but let's just say it was like John Smith or something, over and over again. Um, and so I get to the house of the leaders that I'm staying with, and they they come to me, husband and wife, amazing couple, and they say, hey, you know, Tony, um, you got to meet this guy. I said, well, why? They said, he works with the local metropolitan police to help them find missing children, and he's been having amazing results hearing God for missing children, that the police have asked him to come on as a kind of a consultant to keep up with cases if they hear anything from God. So, Tommy, was this right after you heard God speak to you and say, so what if I wanted you to work uh, with people and organizations to right. find missing children? Right, right. Right. This was literally on the way to this person's house. Wow. So literally I'm on the way and I get there and this is what they say to me straight when I get there. I said, what's his name? And they said, well, his name is John Smith, which is, let's just say that's the name I heard, but it's exactly the same name. I said, oh my goodness. They said, what? I said, I'm just telling my wife about this on the way that God was speaking about this. And he mentioned this name to me. And my wife and I were just sitting there amazed. And it's like, I'll call him right now. So the guy came over and he told us what he was doing and it ignited this new passion in me to see the prophetic enter into different places in the marketplace. Yes. And um, so I remember being in Portugal, and I was, I've been crying out to God since Madeline McCann went missing um, in Portugal. And uh, when I went to Portugal, the cry was birthed again. I was in the Algarve. I was, I was praying there and crying there, God, you know, I believe that you can help find missing children. Can you just relocate um, Madeline McCann if she's alive or dead? Just give this family peace. And um, that night I was in my bed and I heard the Lord speak to me in a dream in Portuguese. 
and he said some, and I don't speak Portuguese, but he said something in Portuguese three times. And he told me when I wake up, I was to write it down. When I wrote it down and I asked my friend what it meant, my friend said, I didn't know you understood Portuguese. I said, I don't know Portuguese. What does it mean? And he said, it means the big, big uncovering of the case or the big breakthrough of the case. Hmm. And so I knew immediately this was referring to the Madeline case. And so I decided that day I was going to ask him to hold the camera up and record me giving this prophetic word as I stood in the middle of Portugal. And I said, I just had a dream and the Lord told me there's a big discovery coming to the case uh, three times. And I believe is referring to the Madeline case. And I just want to pray for here that there's going to be a breakthrough. Well, so we put that prophetic word out and a couple of days, weeks later, um, there was a breakthrough in the case of missing Madeleine McCann that came out all over the news. And everybody remembered that prophetic word. And that was just one example of me realizing um, that God can actually do something phenomenal in this area if people actually pray and press in. And I started realizing that there were friends of mine who had um, been invited to meet with top level police services yes. from that point on to help do that. And so I became particularly interested in doing that. So I started training our team in that area as well. My goodness. So revelation becomes relevant in all kinds of situations, national affairs, social affairs, uh, not just within the walls of the church. So when the church or us believers, when we have revelation, it sets us apart in a way that, that we have such what you call a unique advantage to other institutions. Let me ask you this. Are there other organizations that are contacting you guys now, Tommy, because they see revelation and prophecy working in your ministry? Absolutely. It happened um, during the time of the former president of the United States prophetic word that the Lord gave me. Um, uh, a friend of mine called me from the BBC and he said, can you please come onto the BBC and just speak about the future of Great Britain? And that was the first significant moment I saw a secular institution invite me on knowing what I did. Um, and yet they had me on their program anyway. They knew that you were known as a prophet, but yet they yes. invited you. Yes. And so there was a great level of excitement mixed with fear. Because <laughs> I'd, never, I'd never crossed that that line before into speaking on anything other than a Christian program. So there was a, you know, a prayer mate. I, I called my spiritual mom and she was just like, okay, let's pray for, you know, wisest, wisest serpents, meek as doves. And that was the prayer. And it was an amazing time, actually, at the end of it. They tried to invite me back on two to three different times after that. But that was a an amazing and significant beginning. And then um, I got a phone call from somebody at the United Nations asking me to come in and prophesy in a, in a secret meeting where they had pulled certain dignitaries together um, discreetly for me to come and minister prophetically to them. Yes. And um, that journey happened a couple of times and then uh, later on, different uh, world leaders started to hear about our ministry and get in touch, um, asking to come over or for me to come and see them. Um, and uh, God just started doing amazing things, even to the point where I'm in Nigeria today and just received a phone call saying that the governor of Lagos, which is the city I'm in right now, would like to speak with you and receive prophetic ministry from you. 
And so I'd already been invited to the former governor of Lagos's mansion to minister prophetically over him. I went with my wife, and now it's just a great opportune time to yes. do the same thing again with this uh, leader. And, yes. Um, it's just it's just an amazing thing to watch what the Bible says that that he'll startle kings and what they didn't hear before they'll now turn to heed and consider. You know, when I introduced you, Tommy, I said that this was something I really liked that you have often said that you believe that the day will come when governments of nations will seek the prophets again. Amen. That is happening, isn't it? It is happening, and it's 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 very exciting that it's happening. On so many levels, I believe that it is a blueprint of what God wants to do in every single believer. I believe that for our listeners right now, that God gives revelation for elevation, that it's his glory to conceal, but it's your glory to search out. And so when we say the glory of God has risen upon you, really what we mean is, the secrets of God have risen upon you, waiting to be revealed so that kings can come to your light. And, you know, if it's okay, I just want to pray that over sure. the people. Please. Father, I just pray for those right now who are hungry, standing like the servant, looking around saying, why are all these armies gathered? And the prophet said, open their eyes that they may see. Father, I pray, open their eyes, open their spiritual eyes, open their spiritual ears. I just, I, I feel like this is not just a prayer of impartation. I literally feel the weight of God. So Father, I pray for an activation of spiritual sight. Although where there are those saying, God, I haven't dreamed for a while. I haven't heard you for a while. I've been in a revelation famine. Father, I pray just according to your word that says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Father, pour out your spirit right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, yes. Amen. Let me take just a second here and let everybody know that we have a wonderful, revelatory, powerful resource package that Tommy has developed for you today. It's his brand new book, Eat, Sleep, Prophesy, Repeat. <laughs> now, if that doesn't get you going, <laughs> and his brand new and exclusive three CD audio teaching series. Now, this is going to include two teaching CDs, Living Prophetically, and one CD on the nine-year prophecy that you're going to hear all about in a few minutes. So Sid's going to be here at the end of this program to tell you how you can get this package for yourself. You can get it for your study group, your family, or your church library. Don't miss it. This is amazing. Okay, Tommy, let's get back to this. I want to talk about, I want to talk a little bit about what you call propheticost. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah, so um, I realized that Acts chapter 2 was not necessarily about being born again with the evidence of tongues. But Acts chapter 2 was about the evidence of prophecy. And what you see happening in that scripture is two groups of people, one the church, one the world, and they both have their own narrative on the experience that these people gathered in this upper room are having. The world looks and says, these guys are drunk. The church looks and they say, maybe years later, they say, well, they're speaking in tongues. Maybe we're Pentecostals. But I believe Peter stands up right in the middle of that and says, no, we're not drunk. And, and, and perhaps this isn't just about being a Pentecostal. But this is about something else. This is about what Joel said. And Peter was very quick to define the moment. Less later on, we define the moment by the movement. And it's so easy to define moments by movements. You know, the Bible says, I saw a wind, but God wasn't in the wind. An earthquake, but it wasn't in the earthquake. We see how it moves and we go, it's drunk or it shakes. So it's a, it's a shaker. But really, God isn't defined by the, the movement. He's defined by the moment. And, and it takes prophetic voices to define prophetic movements. Um, you know, when God said, I'm pouring out bread tomorrow, and the children of Israel woke up and saw a small round thing, they said manna, which means what is it? <laughs> and it takes a prophetic voice to say what it is. Um, otherwise, we leave it to the world to define it, or we leave it to 
to theology to define it instead of leaving it to the prophetic voices to define it. So Peter stood up as a prophetic voice and said, no, this is what Joel said, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And so, you know, God just started speaking to me about propheticast, you know, which is a, it's not, it's, it's, it's just a play on words to invite people into this outpouring on all flesh and everyone can hear the voice of God. And so we, we started to train groups of people to operate in the prophetic ministry. We do these meetings every month where a thousand people would gather and our, those groups of people will be prophesied to by other people who were simply just like them, people hungry to hear the voice of God. Yes. Now, at the end of it, what we ended up with was nobody left to prophesy to because everybody wanted to join the prophetic team. And so uh, we, we went from, from prophesying to people to people being equipped to hear God's voice, which was an amazing thing. But for me, when I look at Pentecost, I see a day that the Holy Spirit decided to pour out his spirit on all flesh. You know, what's amazing to me is that even Peter didn't know what he meant by his own statement. Because later on, he would be confronted with a man called Cornelius, who was not of the same faith as him. Mm -hmm. And God yet would see fit, even during Peter's ministry, to pour out his spirit upon the house of Cornelius. Yes. Yes. So when God says all flesh, he means all flesh. And Tommy, I, I love this. You make a distinction between prophecy and revelation. Now, we're talking mm-hmm. about pouring out, you know, the spirit of prophecy on all flesh coming to anyone. But this is so good. This is what you said about revelation. But revelation only comes to his own. Absolutely. Um, the things revealed belong to us. The things revealed according to the scripture belong to us. And so pharaohs can have dreams, but they can't have things revealed. Um, Nebuchadnezzar can have dreams, but he can't have things revealed. A eunuch can see scripture, but he can't have revealed scripture unless God sends somebody to explain or to reveal it. And so God, God, gives us the keys to the kingdom. And we have the access yes. to realms of revelation that can unlock the hearts of men and unlock the hearts of nations. If there's someone out there that's listening right now, Tommy, and they are saying, oh, you know, that sounds good. God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Yes, yes, I know. You're talking about everybody. What if they're saying, I don't know about me. I'm not sure that doesn't sound like, I'm not sure that can happen to me. I'm not sure that can happen for me. I'm not sure God means that for me. What would you say to them? I would say that um, that pretty much summed up my experience with the Lord as well. And so I, I you know, I, I would probably um, give the advice that I gave to myself. Why not me? Oh. And, you know, I believe that the Lord wants to use every single person. But you look at, for instance, Moses, who God said, I'm going to use you. Um, Moses wasn't spectacular. He was a young man that was probably ignored by everybody. Nobody wanted to have a conversation with him because conversations would last longer because of his stammering. <laughs> and so so why would you why would God use a person like him? And he gave God five eyes. And you know, I talk about this that if you're gonna be used by God, there are five eyes everybody must overcome, you know. And they I'll just give you an example of some. He said, Who am I? And that's the eye of insecurity. Mm. Who am I? And God's like, well, that's not the question. The real question is, whose am I? When you know whose you are, you'll never have to ask that question again. They said, well, who are you? And then God said, well, I am that I am. And that's the eye of ignorance. And so you look through Moses' life, and he gave five eyes from insecurity to inadequacy to incompetence uh, to ignorance. And he was just giving God all of these eyes. And right in all of them were himself. And they all to us today look like humility. But to God, they were a show of massive amounts of pride to the point that the anger of the Lord burned against him. 
And, you know, God gave me a, a new definition uh, for pride, that pride is, is being less than or more than who God says you are. Mm. If, I, if I think more of myself, then I'm proud. If I think less of myself, then I'm still proud. That true humility is the ability to embrace exactly who God says you are with sobriety and with humility, but it, it, it comes with that. And so it's in the recognition that God knows what he put in you. He put himself in you. Wow. Yes, yes, I think that's a good word. That's a very good word. I'm going to, I'm going to keep that one for myself as well, if that's okay. <laughs> well, let me remind everybody that's listening one more time that Sid and I really want you to know about this powerful resource package that Tommy has developed for you. It's his brand new book, Eat, Sleep, Prophesy, Repeat, and his brand new and exclusive three CD audio teaching series. It includes two teachings on living prophetically and one one CD on the nine-year prophecy, which we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes. So Sid's going to be here at the end of the program, as usual, to tell you how you can get this package for yourself today. So don't miss that, okay? Tommy, my goodness, I, I just want to mention a couple briefly, a couple of the prophecies that have been huge for you. And then we will close with one recently. This was amazing and astounding. God gave you a word for the next nine years. That yeah. is huge. That's huge. But tell me about in, in early 15, across Great Britain that was going to affect this entire nation. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, and in the stream, I was, um, I saw a ship and uh, David Cameron, our then prime minister, had jumped out of the ship with his cabinet members and they were all in the water. And they were holding on to bits of the ship, but also lots of treasure, a big treasure chest filled with gold. And I said, God, what is this? And I realized that the ship was called Europe. And the Lord said, prepare my nation for an exodus from Europe. And it was this word that I had released, started to release it became a precursor to a lot of the governmental things that I started to do. Um, this prophetic word um, at that time, Brexit wasn't a it wasn't a, a a huge term. Exodus from Europe was the term I used. Then Brexit became a term, and then people begin to began to link um, Exodus and Brexit together, and they're like, "Oh my goodness, this is what." God showed this person. And then that was when I started to see the influence growing. But after that, um, the Lord showed me a vision. Um, and I saw uh, Theresa May leaving office and Boris Johnson taking, his, taking her place. And yes. I shared that the Lord was getting ready to exit um, May. May was getting ready to exit I saw Brexit and I saw exit. And I saw as May exited, we Brexited. Yes. And so that was a, a, a word during that time that the Lord really used to, to increase um, the understanding of the prophetic as it pertains to nations. And, and actually at that time is when the BBC started wanting to yes. do interviews and started bringing you yes. in for interviews and, and wanting to know, of course, you know, <laughs> where did you get this information? And, and not so long after that, you actually had a revelation that you shared with a television program there that concerned the United States. Yes. So years ago, I had this dream and it was, I was in America at the time. And in this dream, um, Obama, I got a knock on the door. I was, in a, I was in a kitchen and Obama knocked on the door. Didn't know it was an Obama, but I said, who is it? And he said, it's Barack Obama. I said, come in. No, he didn't knock on the door. I, I apologize. He, he came into the room quite violently. And he said to me, I'm going to be the next president of the United States of America. And in the dream, he poured himself some cereal and he starts eating. And, you know, he's very kind of, he, his demeanor was very brash with me. 
and and he was very blunt and very plain and very honest. And he said, I'm going to do some things in America and I'm going to get away with it. And he said, do you know why? I said, why? He said, because I'm black. Oh. And in the dream as he's sharing this with me, um, I'm, I'm talking back with him. And I said, well, you know, why don't we try this one? But there was no listening. And I woke up from the dream. And being of African descent myself, um, my dad came to me, he said to me, tell me who's going to win the elections. And loads of people came to me and I said, well, Barack is going to win. And they said, yay, first black president. And I told my dad, dad, I don't know if I like him. I think he's going to try to do some things, going to get away with it because we're going to be so caught away with the novelty of the fact that he's African-American that we're going to miss some key things that are going to happen. And um, I'm sharing this with my with my dad and everyone's upset with me because I was the only one that wasn't celebrated. Um, years later, I had the, I was in the exact same kitchen in a dream. And um, I get a knock on the door of the kitchen this time. And I said, who is this? And he said, it's Donald Trump. And I said, come in. And he walked into the kitchen. He asked me if he can pour me a bowl of cereal, which again is unlike the demeanor of the man we we've known yes um but he pours me this bowl of cereal and he sits down and he says toby can you thank the american church for making me the 45th president of the united states of america and so um i woke up from the dream and i called a friend of mine who works at a television channel in the uk called revelation tv and i said to him can you interview me about this prophetic word i've just had and he said why i said well, I said, because I don't want to be tempted to delete it later. <laughs> yeah. I said, I want you to put it out there, because if I put it on my platform, I might wake up the next day and delete it, um, because I knew what it would bring. And so, you know, he put it out for me, and um, I shared it on his channel, and it started being shared a lot on different social media platforms and you know i lost a lot of friends oh my uh, for it um but then when it happened that was the precursor to being invited to the united nations yes yes wow well i know god has certainly given you favor with governmental um entities and is really using you in a mighty way. And I still go back to that thing where you, you've often said, the day will come when governments of nations will seek the prophets again. Mm -hmm. But Tommy, this is, this is huge and this is big news. God has given you a word for the next nine years. I know it's unfair of me to ask you to even share that in this amount of time, but if you can take a few minutes and just basically give us the short version of what you have heard and what you believe will be happening over the next nine years. And then I just want to remind everybody that's listening, you will not be getting all of that right now, but Tommy is preparing one of the special CD teachings on this prophecy alone, the nine-year prophecy, the next nine years. So you will get it all, but Tommy, just just give us a, a little indication about what this is. Um, so I went to, after the elections in the U.S. and after the um, things that were going on all over the world with justice movements, COVID-19, all of those things, I went to pray, and I usually carry a word of the Lord at the beginning of each year, so I went to pray and ask God what he wanted to say that year for the nations. And this was the first time in all my years of ministry that I felt the Lord's anger. And, you know, if people were to criticize me in my prophetic ministry, the biggest criticism would be from a lot of people that I always seem to have something nice to say. And if that's a criticism, I take it because I believe that the prophet is called to tear down, pull down, and overthrow, but ultimately to build and to plant. So I'm always looking for God's redemptive strategy, even in the midst of something that looks like a, a temporal judgment. I believe God sends prophets to warn the wicked lest they perish. And so, um, but this time, nothing felt good. Hmm. Um, and it, I felt for the first time in all my prophetic ministry, the anger of God um, for something that 
he called blasphemy and I had to later do a study on blasphemy to figure out what it was and you know because I was raised up blasphemy means to use the Lord's name in vain and that's partly true right but the word blasphemy is um, a Greek word blasphemos which means to switch to call something evil good and to call something good evil and so I realized that God was angry that in the past three years we had begun to call good evil and evil good and trade bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter wow. like the dark Yes. And the Lord said to me, tell the nations you have nine years left. And I said, what most rational people would respond, nine years left for what? What? And, you know, um, this was not, again, probably another big criticism. And I just want to make it clear off the cuff. This was not nine years till the Lord returns. Nobody knows the hour. Nobody knows the day. Um, but this was nine years um, till things got so grossly dark that it became too difficult to work. Mm. And he said things were going to happen so fast that nine years will feel like nine months and nine months like nine minutes. So I gave a couple of things at the beginning that I saw that would happen very quickly. One of the significant things that I saw was the Lord said there will be a changing of the guard in Israel and Netanyahu will shake. Mm. And I went on to say that there was a rising rebellion in Israel to unseat Netanyahu and that he would be shaken from his position unless the church prayed. And so that was at the beginning of the year, just a few days ago, it came out in the news that um, Netanyahu had been ousted and and that his position had been taken over. But a couple of significant things, so many significant things began to happen that people started to message me now with the prophecy saying, look at this and look at this newspaper article, look at this one and look at this newspaper article. One of the things I said was nine years left. Hmm. And in that nine years, world leaders would say we have nine years left before the end of the world and the new crisis would not be COVID-19 the new crisis would be climate change and and um, it was within that same month or year or a few months after that prophetic word was released that John Kerry um, came out and said we have nine years left to save the planet and Joe Biden came out and said, we only have nine years left to save the planet before global extinction. And so I began to see that world leaders were posturing themselves and the enemy was posturing himself with a narrative of his own end times. But yet God was saying that that was a lie. It was a false narrative, but it was going to be used as a guise to try to shut down the body of Christ. And I believe that God has a redemptive strategy and his redemptive strategy looks like Gideon's army. It looks like God looking at us and saying that we have too many people for what he wants to do next. Mm. And, and God going from service to SWAT teams and releasing strategic teams of people who can be malleable and effective enough to go into the systems of the world and to make the systems of the world the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. And, you know, it was watching how God selected the army that became the most impressive thing to me. I was like, watch how they drink. And so God selected the dogs, those who drank the water like dogs. And so I observed my dog drink water one day and as my dog was drinking the water, his eyes were looking straight at his master. And my dog, when he drinks, he doesn't ask for a cup. Mm. He's too thirsty to ask for a cup. And I began to realize thirsty people don't ask for a cup. When you're really thirsty for what God wants to do next, you just go to that water and you drink it. And But you do it with your eyes on the master. And I believe that for our audience, 
God is asking this question, are you really thirsty? He looks at the Samaritan woman and the woman says, well, you have nothing to draw with. And Jesus said, well, if you drink from my waters, you'll never thirst again. And you realize what this woman did. She left Jesus so satisfied that we we often fail to realize that she left her cup behind. Yes. Because the kind of filling God wants to fill us in this season, we won't need a cup for because it will be the outpouring of the Holy Spirit without measure. Yes, yes. Wow, and that leaves us on a very, very encouraging note. I believe God is not counting down to the end of time or to his coming back, but he's counting down to the new ecclesia arising. And that ecclesia is governmental, it is strategic, it is a culture shifter. You know, sometimes the the greatest travesty of us as the church is that we can spend years conforming everybody to church and very few people to Christ. And what God is doing right now is he is resurrecting an ecclesia in the earth that wants to fulfill the mandate to conform us into the image of his dear son. And that means that we go from discipling people to actually discipling nations. Yes. Remember, you know, the Bible says this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached throughout the entire world as a witness, and then the end will come. And so God is positioning the body within the systems of this world to bear witness to the name of Jesus before that end comes. And so truly, we get to define when we're in that last moment. And that last moment can only be defined by our divine positioning. So I believe we're going from the de- the, the defeated church to the ecclesia arising. Yes, yes. Well, I want to be a part of the ecclesia arising. I'm going to just ask you to pray for those that are listening before we have to go. You know that we will continue to stay thirsty, that we will continue to drink, and that we will continue to keep our eyes on the master. Will you pray for everyone, please, Tommy? Absolutely. Father, you didn't just say taste. You said taste and see that the world is good. Father, this is not a taste. This is not a teaser. This is not something that you don't intend on bringing us into. Lord, my sheep hear my voice means every single person has access to the realms of revelation if we're hungry for it. You said you fed them with manna, you starved them, and you gave them manna which neither them nor their fathers wanted, that you might prove to them that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Lord, we've eaten breakfast, we've had our lunch, we've had our dinner, but our spirits are still hungry, and they can only be satisfied by your voice. So Lord, I pray, for those who are crying out to know you, just like Samuel, would you make yourself known to us? Yes. So that that which was the word of the Lord being rare doesn't get to stay rare. It can be expanded. And just as your word declares that for lack of revelation, my people perish. Father, let there be a revelation that takes us from perishing to flourishing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Tommy, thank you so much for being with us today. And I want to thank everybody for listening and for joining us here at Messianic Vision. And now here's Sid Roth to tell you how you can get Tommy's amazing resource package. Sid? Tommy Ariami's brand new book, Eat, Sleep, Prophesy, Repeat. I happen to love that title. Is created to help you grow in your ability to hear the voice of God for yourself and for others. If you've ever wanted to be mentored into your journey into prophetic gifting, this is your go-to resource. Tommy reveals vitally relevant experiences in an easy-to-understand way. This book is intended to make hearing God's voice 
a part of every single day of your life. Call now for Tomi's brand new book, Eat, Sleep, Prophesy, Repeat, and his brand new and exclusive three CD audio teaching series. This series includes two teaching CDs called Living Prophetically and one CD, and you've got to get this, on the prophecy of nine years left. Lots of books on prophecy. This is different. Trust me on this. It's simple. You will understand it. And everyone is called to prophesy. That's you. Order today for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697. Or just go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9797. We couldn't have made it easier for you. 9797. Once again, that's offer number 9797.